Well, good evening, guys. Um, as Tom said, my name is Ollie, and I'm aware that probably lots of you don't know me, so just very briefly, um, I work in the youth team, as you might have heard. Um, I lead the discipleship year. I got married about five months ago. Um, yes, thanks, Greg. <laughs> um, I absolutely love to play football. Any of my friends will know that I can be just a little bit competitive at times. And my wife will tell you that I am a terrible backseat driver, um, which I like to think is the sign of a really, really good driver, um, just helping, helping people out. Maybe you'll agree. But um, tonight, I would love to talk to you for a little bit about clothes, um, because I just think it's fascinating what people wear sometimes. I don't know about you. But you know, sometimes someone has that outfit on, um, and in theory, it just shouldn't work like it just shouldn't look cool, but for some reason they pull it off. And the thing I find really frustrating about that is I know if I was wearing exactly the same outfit, I would look ridiculous. Um, and so I had a little bit of a look on the internet for some um, slightly out there clothes, as you do, um, and thought I'd quickly share some findings with you guys, if that's all right. So firstly, I looked at a few hats, so there's just going to be a few coming up. There's the first one. Um, another one, which I think is my favorite one, the burger hat. Um, <laughs> And then this last one apparently is a genuine hat that um, a model was wearing out. Um, and then the next little bit is just some shoes quickly. So there's some shoes apparently based on Madonna or something. And the next one's some banana shoes. And then those ones, the, the slide ones. But I think it's fair to say um, there are some pretty ridiculous clothes out there. Um, I apologize if you own any of those items of clothing. I'm sure, sure you pull them off really well. Um, but clothes are interesting, aren't they? Because so often they are the first things that we notice about someone, aren't they, when we see them? And also sometimes they tell us a lot about who someone is or what someone does. So for this next little bit, I need you just to be a little bit interactive, if that's all right. It's all pretty easy, but a few ones are going to come up and you can tell who they are by what they're wearing, if that's right. So the first one. Policeman, yes, Dan, thank you. Um, the next one. Yes, great. The next one. Ireland rugby team. Anyone know who he supports? Brazil, a slightly frustrated Brazil fan, I think. And then lastly, an England fan. Um, and this time next week, um, I'm actually going to be in Marseille in France, and people will probably be looking at me slightly similar to him. I might not go for the face paint, but I'll be wearing my England shirt. And basically, one of the ushers at my wedding, um, for a wedding present, he got me tickets to go with him to the Euros to watch England versus Russia, which is a pretty cool present. Um, to be fair to him, he did realize slightly after that that wedding presents are usually for the groom and the bride. Um, so, so he went out and he bought my wife a hairdryer, which um, <laughs> is a true story. Um, so it's almost, almost the same. But I just I wonder quickly, um, I'm sure all of us have probably got a friend who is a little bit out there on the clothing spectrum. Like... Um, they walk into a room, and you just have to do a bit of a double take and check they did actually mean to leave the house like that. Um, maybe not quite like the clothes that we just saw, um, but just a little bit out there. Does anyone have a friend like that? I know I do. <laughs> Is anyone sitting next to them at the moment? Yes, a few people are great. Um, well, I've got one of those. I won't name him. He's away at the moment, um, and so he, he won't get embarrassed, but his clothes are quite something. And... It may just be that he's a lot cooler than me, and I'm just not quite cool enough to get it, which is probably the case. But without a doubt, when I see him, every time, the first thing I notice is his clothes. And sometimes I literally can't help myself but saying something like, what on earth are you wearing? Like, when was that a good idea, leaving the house like that? 
And you know, there's that fine line, isn't there, between like cool on the one hand and then a little bit weird on the other. And he's strayed over into the weird side a few times, I think. But I think eccentric or not, whether you're wearing normal clothes or like a new pair of shoes or something, we are drawn to what people are wearing, aren't we? We just um, can't help but notice it. And the reason that I mention clothes today is because I just want to answer that question of what should Christians wear? Because I'm sure it's been keeping you up at night, um, you've just been dying to know the answer, and so I thought I'd just have a little look at what should followers of Jesus wear. And when I say that, I'm afraid I don't mean like actual physical clothes, obviously. Like, I'm not the person to be giving you fashion advice. But what I mean is just like real clothes, what should be the first things that people notice about us? Like not your shoes or your T-shirt, but when someone meets you, what do they first notice about you? Like, I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that a little bit before. Like maybe you're, you're happy or bubbly or friendly or shy. Or maybe you're, you're quite busy or stressed out or worn out or just a bit distant from people. I'd love you to just have a quick, honest think. I'll just give you five seconds. Have a think now. What do you think people first notice about you? And I don't know about you, um, but I, I find that a really tough question to answer because it probably depends slightly on the situation that someone meets me in. Like, maybe sometimes I am actually a little bit tired or I am busy or stressed out or maybe just not feeling super sociable. I don't know if you guys ever feel like that. Maybe it's just me. But my first impressions may not always be absolutely amazing. But I think this is a challenge, isn't it? Because we know that if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus then the Bible calls us to be representatives of him, to be his ambassadors in the world, doesn't it? So therefore, the, the things that people first notice about us, the way that we live our lives, really matter. And so what do you think we should be wearing? What should be the first thing that people notice about us? Now, if you've got your Bibles, um, grab that. If not, it'll be coming up on the screen. And we're just going to be having a quick look at Colossians 3. Um, So it's Colossians 3, verse 12. And Colossians, if you haven't read it before, it's basically a letter written by Paul, who was one of the early church leaders, to one of his churches that he was involved in. So Colossians 3, verse 12, it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I'm sure many of you might have heard this verse before. It's quite a well-known verse, maybe at things like weddings. And I think it's easy to, to read that or to see it and just think, oh, okay, so Paul's just telling me I've, I've got to be nice to people. That's, that's about it. Job done. But, like, is, is that it? Is, are we just here to be nice to each other? Because I think the whole of the Bible and I think what Paul is doing here is a lot a lot more than that and telling us a lot more than that and with any Bible verse I think it's always worth asking the question like what is the author trying to do here like what is Paul saying when he tells us to clothe ourselves with these things and Paul like any author of the New Testament he is a follower of Jesus and he has given his life to, to telling people about the gospel to starting new churches and to helping those churches grow like that is what he's given himself to and so a lot of the time, he's trying to take a bit of teaching that he's maybe heard from other followers of Jesus and apply it to the lives of the people around him. Like all these new followers of Jesus 
who are trying to figure out what it looks like to live that way, Paul is trying to help them with that. On things like forgiveness and friendships and lifestyle and your integrity and all that kind of thing. And so in this letter in Colossians, he's been doing some of that and the the few chapters leading up to this point, he's been talking to them. And then he gets to this point and it's almost like he says to them, are you being intentional with the things that people first notice about you? Because as, as followers of Jesus, this, this really matters. And this isn't something that's completely new. Um, Jesus said something similar. And um, again, if you've got your Bible, in John, the Gospel of John, Jesus is um, he's telling his disciples that he's about to leave, that he's about to die. Um, and then he basically says, in light of this, this is what I want you to be known for. So John 13, 34 to 35, it says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so Jesus is basically saying to his disciples that the thing that should be a stamp on your lifestyle should be the way that you love one another. That should be the thing that defines who you are. And like by that, people will know that you follow me. That's what he says to them. And so then I guess it makes sense that a little bit later on, Paul comes along and he says to the, the people in, in the city that he's, he's speaking to, he says, clothe yourselves with these things. Put these things on. Make these things the characteristics that people first notice about you. Like be known for being compassionate and kind and humble. And you know, my friend that I mentioned a minute ago with the, the quirky fashion sense, the the amazing thing about him is that even though his actual clothes look a bit ridiculous, you can't come away from a conversation with him not being inspired by his love for Jesus. But he is so passionate about it, and he just completely lives it out. And it's almost like he's wearing this jumper that just says, I love Jesus. But that's what he's wearing. And so Jesus has said to his disciples, like, the thing that should set you apart is the radical way that you love one another. And then Paul comes to Colossians and essentially explains a bit more about what that radical love looks like. It looks like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Like those are the things that we should be known for. And um, this is a bit tricky, isn't it? Because maybe you're here tonight and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you've met some people that, that do. And those might not be the first things that, that come to your mind. And in fact, last year in England, um, they took a survey um, basically asking people to describe Christians that they knew. And the results were, were mixed, some positive and some negative, but fundamentally, they, I don't think they were in that place that Paul and Jesus talked about. So just to give you a snapshot, it says that only half of these people described Christians as caring, only a quarter said they were encouraging, humility and patience didn't make the list at all. said hypocritical, 15% said narrow-minded. And then on the positive side, friendly was actually the the most commonly word, common, friendly was used the most, basically. And um, I don't know what you think when you hear that, but to me, I was like, is that it? Like, as followers of Jesus, are we just wanting to be known for being friendly? Because surely, if we're giving our lives to Jesus, if we're saying, I will go anywhere, I'll do anything you want, then... We need to be more than just friendly. The call is so much more than that. And like this is easy to say, isn't it? Just to talk about 
But what does it actually look to live like that, to live our lives in this way, clothing ourselves with these things? And, you know, each of these five characteristics could probably have a talk um, in its own right. So I won't be able to do them like complete justice tonight. But what I'd love to do is just talk about three of them and have a think about what Paul maybe was trying to say to us when he tells us to clothe ourselves with these things. So the first one, um, it says, clothe yourselves with compassion. And um, I know this is something as a church that we we talk a lot about and we have amazing projects and ministries like the Arches and the Soup Run. Maybe you've been involved in those and they're amazing. But what Paul is essentially saying here is that it needs to start with each of us as individuals, clothing ourselves with compassion. And when the Bible talks about compassion, it's not this kind of idea of pitying people, feeling sorry for people, or just looking out for others. In fact, the the Greek word used here in Colossians is basically the same one that's used in the Gospels when it says that Jesus saw the crowds and was moved with compassion. And it literally means being physically moved um, in your guts, moved in your bowels or your intestines. That's the thing it means. And that might sound a little bit weird to us, because obviously in our culture, when we think of things like love and passion, the, the place that we would associate that would be our heart, wouldn't it? We think of our heart. But for the Greeks and the people that wrote this at the time, that was your bowels. That was where you felt those things. And I'm not suggesting that at the end of this you go to your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever and say, I love you with all of my bowels. I don't think that's going to go down super well. wouldn't be a great chat-up line. But the compassion that Jesus modelled and the compassion that Paul talks about in that verse is basically it's more than just words. He's saying, I want you to be known as passionately, passion, passionately compassionate people, people that really feel it in your guts, people that are compelled to do something about it. Like, do we want to be those kind of people? Do we want to clothe ourselves with that kind of compassion? And as I mentioned earlier, one of the things I do here is I lead the discipleship year. And there's a guy on the year this year, and he really has that heart for compassion. And um, over the winter, he would grab a few mates, go to the shops, buy some sleeping bags, and then he would just head out into the city. And anyone he came across who was maybe homeless and needed a sleeping bag, he'd give it out, and he'd have a bit of a chat and a pray with them. And then over Christmas, he couldn't go home because of shift work. So him and a friend, again, they, they went and they put a bit of a hamper together with chocolates, things from the body shop, that kind of thing. And they went to a brothel in Nottingham and gave this to them and, again, chatted and prayed with those guys. And like that is the, the like feel it in your guts kind of compassion um, that Paul is talking about. Compassion that is restless. Compassion that just wants to do something about it. And so I guess for us, um, the question is, when, when, were you last that, when were you last that passionate about something in particular? Was it maybe a little while ago, God really spoke to you about something, and you need to re-engage with that a little bit tonight? Or maybe you've never really felt that restless about something before, and, and God tonight might want to challenge you to go and to seek it out, to go and maybe find his heart for your street or your area or your city. Because when we do that, like that guy on discipleship year, we get a glimpse of it. We get a glimpse of God's heart. And you know, sometimes the the culture that we live in is very good at putting the blinkers up a bit. It just keeps us passive. And without realizing it, we just become a bit numb to the, the hurt and the pain that's going on around us. I don't know about you, but I know sometimes I find it hard just to think too much about it because I, I don't know what to do. It's hard, isn't it? And like every so often, something 
snaps us out of that a little bit, like that picture of the young refugee who washed up on the beach. It's like, wow, there is some serious hurt going on around the world. But like I say, if we expose ourselves to it a little bit, we can capture a bit of what God wants to do. So I guess what might that look like for you? What, um, what does that look like? Because it will look different for every one of us. Last week, John Bodley spoke about us being this scattered salt around the city. And we represent so many different workplaces and offices and homes here. So what about your office or your workplace or your home? Like, how can you be known for that, like, feeling it in your guts kind of compassion? And um, so the next one, Paul said that, the next one I want to look at is humility. And the thing about this one is I kind of feel like it's essential to all five of them. Like, I don't think you'd be able to be super compassionate and kind and gentle and patient if you had absolutely no humility. It feels like it's this mindset which just underpins all of the others a little bit. And, you know, in life, we get those opportunities, don't we, every so often, where, on the one hand, we can choose humility, we can be humble, or we can kind of do the opposite. And when I was at uni, I played football for the uni football team, and we got this amazing opportunity to play against Notts County, which at the time was really exciting because um, it was a few years back, and Sol Campbell was playing for them at that time, and Sven Goran Eriksson, who used to manage England, he was managing them, and Kasper Schmeichel, those guys were playing, so we were really excited about it. And so we played them, and as you might have guessed, we lost 3-1. Um, but we were just so excited that we got to play against these professional footballers. And anyway, one of my mates from uni at the time, he goes, he tells his mum, and his mum is a school nurse in Nottingham. And she, a year or so later, she gets chatting to a student she's helping out who loves football. So she tells him about this friend of her son's who played against Notts County and Sol Campbell, and, and that was that. And then I had started helping at Trent Youth about this time, and this young guy from that school comes to Trent Youth. And we get chatting about football, and he starts to tell me about this guy that he'd heard about who played against Notts County and Sol Campbell and stuff like that. And you can imagine in my head, I'm like, wow, I cannot believe how well this has played into my hands. Um, like, I could choose humility, I could play it down. I don't know what you would have done, but I think I literally let him finish the story, and then I was like, that guy. You're talking to him. And um, that was not my humblest moment. Um, and it was obviously a silly example of how not to actually do humility. But the humility that Paul talks about and um, that Jesus modeled really comes down to seeing others and seeing yourself accurately. Because the reality is, no matter who we are, what we do for a living, what our past looks like, any of that, we all need Jesus on a daily basis and we are all unconditionally loved by him. Like, that is the truth. And so true humility essentially just comes from living that truth out. Like, that none of us are better or worse than anyone around us. And do we, like, do we believe that, that we're not better than anyone? Because I think sometimes with humility, we picture of it as like, we're actually up here, but for a little bit we'll pretend to be down here and be humble. And then like, pride or arrogance is, we're, we're down here, but we're actually pretending to be up there. But real humility comes from just recognizing the fact that we're all down here. We all need Jesus. And I've got a friend who's a GP in Nottingham, and I asked him a little bit. I was like, what does humility look like for you in your job? And this is what he said to me. He said, essentially, my job is to listen and to make sure there is a safe space for someone to tell me their story. Humility for me is admitting that I don't have all the answers all the time for every situation and being happy to Google lots when the need arises and I can't work out what someone's weird rash is. Um, another friend from here is a teacher and she said this. 
She said, for me, the main thing is remembering who my boss is. Although I want to work hard to please my job boss, ultimately, I'm doing it for Jesus. Where I work can be incredibly competitive, so I try to get alongside people, help others out, share ideas and encourage people, trying to shake the me culture and work as a team for the community we are in. And then my, the last one um, is a friend who's a management consultant, and he just said this. Essentially, it comes down to submission and service. Serving and submitting to what is in front of me, even when I'm not sure of what the outcome will be. And you know, for those three people, and in fact for every single one of us in this room, humility is, is pretty countercultural. Like it's not the norm, it doesn't just happen on its own. But as followers of Jesus, it is what we are called to. We can't just duck out of that. And it's what Jesus lived out. And every single interaction that me and you have is an opportunity to, to live that humility out, to be secure in who we are and knowing that whoever we are talking to, that Jesus absolutely loves them. And so again, I guess, where, where is that for you? Maybe at work or at university or at home with your friends? How can you serve and submit to how Jesus sees the people around you and maybe not how you would want to? Okay, and the last one, um, quickly, is patience. And um, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at those five characteristics, the one I think is probably the hardest to wear is patience. Like if Amazon Prime ever takes two days to arrive instead of one, I'm outraged, I like get in touch with Amazon straight away. Um, or, or maybe when you're driving along, you wanna get somewhere quickly, and you just change lanes every 20 seconds because that one's going faster and then that one's going faster. And if someone's driving like two miles per hour slower than the speed limit, like you're getting frustrated with them. And that's why I love Netflix because it's not like it used to be and you have to wait a week for an episode to come out. You can just watch like 10 episodes at a time. It's brilliant. And um, the thing is, being patient, the reason it's tough is because it's not glamorous and our culture doesn't, it's not really necessary in, in our culture often. Like, all the time we are encouraged from like every direction to find shortcuts, to, to do things quicker. And so if there's ever a point in our life where it requires like genuine patience, sometimes it just feels a little bit alien to us, doesn't it? And it's that kind of patience that doesn't come with a time frame. Because we can all have like a degree of patience, can't we? But it's usually based on this unspoken understanding that eventually that person will behave or eventually that person will get the job done or eventually that person will pull their own weight. And when that eventually never comes, our patience starts to grow a little bit thin, doesn't it? And particularly in the church, all the time, don't we talk about unconditional love and um, how important it is, and it is so important, but it might be that for you, the way you need to show unconditional love is with unconditional patience. Like when there's absolutely no end in sight, but that's kind of what's required of you sometimes, unconditional patience. And I don't know about you, but with me, sometimes it's so easy to end up with double standards for how like, impatient I can be with other people about some things, and then I go off and do the exact same thing myself. And yet Jesus has infinite levels of patience for us, doesn't he? And no matter how many times we mess up, how many times we wander in the wrong direction, how many times we ignore him, he's always there waiting for us to come back, to welcome us back. And so when he tells us, like that passage in John, to love others like he's loved us, Oh, that's, that's not a small thing. That's that unconditional patience, that non-judgmental love that Jesus is talking about. Those are the clothes that me and you need to put on. And I'm sure, even as I mention this kind of patience, um, you'll 
have people that come to mind, situations you're reminded of. Maybe that housemate um, who just never does the washing up, never cleans the toilet. Um, or maybe someone at work that just every day it's like they're driving you up the wall. Or like a family member that never appreciates what you do. Um, or any of those things. And none of those things are easy. I, I wouldn't want to say that. But we are called to love others like Jesus loved us. And so sometimes that means clothing ourselves with a lot of patience. Like choosing to God to ask, choosing to ask God for that patience and allowing him to do it in us. And now, just as a quick disclaimer, um, none of those things are easy. Like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, none of them are. And some might come more naturally to us, but to consistently live that kind of lifestyle where those are the clothes you're wearing, that's tough. And so maybe initially the question tonight is like, okay, God, which one of those things do you want to have a bit of a change in me? Which one of those things do you want to do something about? Because if we thought about all five, it might just become a little bit overwhelming. So as you go home tonight, as you go into work tomorrow for the next week, how are you going to clothe yourself? Because Paul is essentially saying, I want you to wear these every single day. I want you to put these clothes on every day. May these be the things that your colleagues see. May these be the things that your family see. Because all of us are clothing ourselves with something. That's just how it is. And so it's, the question is, like, what are you going to clothe yourself with? What does your big jumper, like my friends, what does yours say? And it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not just about like gritting your teeth and trying to create your own version of compassion or patience. It's about God and what he can do in you. And Jesus calls us to love like he did. And that only comes when we go to him and we're like, Jesus, I need your humility. I need your patience. I can't do this on my own. Because, I guess, can you imagine if all of us absolutely got this? If all of us clothed ourselves with those things, if we lived and worked and socialized and just did everything in that kind of way that we were defined by these five things? What if those statistics that I mentioned earlier on about what people think of Christians, what if they were completely transformed and in Nottingham when people were asked, it wasn't narrow-minded or hypocritical or even friendly, but it was like radically loving, unconditionally patient, so compassionate. And maybe some of you might even be really good at wearing these things on a Sunday. That's kind of what you do. But God wants more for us than that. He wants us to wear it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and for the whole of the week. Because the, the reality is that God has chosen the church, which is me and you. He's chosen the church to represent him. And so the clothes that we are wearing each and every day really matter. Because you can either choose to clothe yourselves in those things, um, clothe yourselves with the things that we looked at, and point people to Jesus. Or actually, we, we can clothe ourselves with the wrong things, and we can point people away from Jesus. So tonight, I um, just love you to ask yourself that question. What am I going to clothe myself with? God, what do you want to speak to me about? How can I be more patient? How can I be more compassionate at work?